Welcome to Discovering the Old Testament, a series of podcasts exploring one of the primary sources of the Judeo-Christian tradition. I'm your host, Dr. Sheldon Greaves. Welcome to Part 5. We're going to take a little side trip in this installment and talk about how to get more out of your study of the Bible. I'm going on the assumption that at least some of our listeners read the Bible from time to time. Others are reading as part of a program of personal study or an adult education program through their church, study group, or other organization. As I've pointed out in previous podcasts, reading the Bible isn't like reading a regular book. There's a lot of cultural and historical background, plus lots of traditional baggage that comes with it, and the reader has to deal with all of it eventually. We'll talk about that later and return to this particular problem from time to time in subsequent podcasts. If you don't have a Bible, finding one is easy. You can go to most dollar stores and get a King James Bible printed on pretty bad paper in very small type for a buck. Or look in thrift stores if you don't already own one. There are plenty of ways to get someone to send you a Bible for free, but you may find someone showing up on your doorstep who wants to talk religion as a result. If you're cool with that, fine. However, today it's not enough to just say, go find a Bible. There are a number of different translations and editions out there, as well as specialty Bibles aimed at specific target markets. Bibles for men, women, people in 12-step programs, couples or seniors, with more coming out with each new fashionable trend. If you're looking for something to use for serious study, you need not bother with the latest chicken soup for the soul of left-handed Armenian plumbers who do too much Bible. When Bibles were first published in the vernacular back in the 16th century, they had very clear and open agendas, usually against whomever the translator didn't like, and they were not afraid to name names, usually in the footnotes. In fact, King James I of England was won over to the idea of the Bible translation that bears his name because it would not have notes as it was originally published. Over the years, things have settled down a bit, and modern translations have tried to be more careful in letting the text speak for itself, with a few notable exceptions. So, what translation should you acquire? This question matters. You really can't translate a text without interpreting it to some degree. A good study Bible will also have good references and notes in it. A translation should read well, but make note of the difficulties in the original languages. Too often, a translation will gloss over something that in the Hebrew or Greek presents some ticklish problems. Some translators address this by being very literal in their translation, which highlights the difficulty, and that's a good thing. Freer, more colloquial translations represent a solution on the part of the translator that may or may not be satisfactory, assuming the translation makes the reader aware of the problem in the first place. That said, let's look at some of the major translations you are likely to encounter. This will not by any means be a comprehensive list, but I'll try to cover the ones you're most likely to find in your local bookshop or online bookstore. First, there's the King James Version. I list it 
because even though it's got a lot of problems as a translation, its language, diction, and cadence has worked its way into the fabric of the English language. If you have an interest in English literature, you should become familiar with the language of the King James for that reason alone. If you have an interest in the history of Christianity, acquaintance with the King James is essential as it established the idiom of religious expression after it was published in 1611. The language is quite magnificent. Even when the translation gets it wrong, it still sounds great. Many modern Bibles use the KJV as a basis. A note about so-called King James English, all those these and thous and so forth. There's a perception that this manner of speech is more formal and refined than our you and your, but the truth is exactly the opposite. English used to have informal and formal forms of address. The formal forms are the ones that survive today. The thee, thou, ye, and so on in the KJV was the old familiar form, and in parts of England you can still find them used in various local dialects. Another translation is the New Revised Standard Version, or NRSV. Although this is based on the King James, it represents a very thorough reworking of the text. It has gone through several revisions since it was first published in 1952. The 1990 edition raised eyebrows by adding more inclusive language. However, it turns out that the more inclusive language is, in most cases, more linguistically correct anyway. The NRSV is widely accepted as a good ecumenical Bible, which means that many different denominations are okay with it. You can get a fine study Bible with the NRSV translation published by Oxford University Press that includes the Apocrypha or Deuterocanonical books that are not part of the usual canon of scripture. This is the Bible I tend to use most often, and it's also one that's frequently used in most seminaries today. The New American Bible is another good choice. First published in 1970, it has a very good Old Testament translation. There was a revision in 1987 that made substantial improvements to the New Testament translation. The New American Bible was largely a Catholic translation project with some Protestant collaboration. The New Jerusalem Bible was originally a translation with copious notes made by French Dominicans, which was itself later translated into English in 1966 as the Jerusalem Bible. The New Jerusalem Bible is a heavily revised and much improved version with a better translation and good introductory essays. Another popular Bible is the New International Version, published by the New York International Bible Society. Some scholars call this a conservative alternative to the Revised Standard Version. The translation is pretty good, but uneven in places. Still, it makes a decent study Bible. To the best of my knowledge, there isn't an edition of the New International Version that contains the apocryphal books. In 1970, the British Protestant churches published the New English Bible, written in a very contemporary British English. The Old Testament in this Bible is a bit too idiosyncratic and misses a lot of the nuance that other translations capture. The Revised English Bible is a newer version published in the 80s that has been well-reviewed, including its Old Testament translation. Finally, 
I would recommend very strongly that readers secure a copy of the translation of the Jewish Publication Society that was issued in 1985 as a single volume after being published piecemeal prior to that time. Known generally as the New JPS version, or New Jewish version, it has been through several revisions since then. It is an excellent study Bible. There are some other good Jewish translations out there, such as Robert Alter's The Five Books of Moses, a translation and commentary. Alter tries to recapture some of the literary uniqueness of the original Hebrew and thus spot patterns that other translators might miss. Another translation of the Torah worth looking into is Everett Fox's, which renders the text based on the proposition that the Bible was intended to be read out loud. He comes up with some interesting, if idiosyncratic, solutions to certain translation issues, and his translation is also called The Five Books of Moses. Serious students of the Old Testament should have a copy of the Jewish Publication Society or other Jewish translation handy for the simple reason that what the Christians call the Old Testament is more properly called the Hebrew Scriptures. It was a Jewish book written in a Semitic language for a Jewish audience. It's always a good idea to remember that. One thing you might have noticed is that so far I haven't said anything about electronic editions of the Bible. If you really want to read it online or on your mobile device, great. Options abound. I confess that I have a bias for paper and ink myself, but for what I think are pretty good reasons. Sometime in the middle of the previous century, Walter Benjamin famously noted that when you mechanically reproduce a work of art, you can't help but wrench it out of its intended context. So a panel from the Sistine Chapel ends up gracing a t-shirt or Mozart's Requiem plays on your car stereo to soothe you when you're stuck in traffic. Neither of those artists could have imagined those particular works ending up in such places, and, Benjamin argues, when this happens, something about the work of art is lost along the way. I'm inclined to agree. That said, most of the versions of the Bible we mentioned in the first half of this podcast are available for free on the web. You can also download and install a utility simply called The Word. It's designed for Windows, but with a good PC emulation software, it will run haltingly on a Mac. You add modules to it depending on your needs, and there are tons of free modules that will keep you very well supplied pretty much forever. Multiple Bible versions are available, along with dictionaries, encyclopedias, commentaries, writings of the Church Fathers, and Bible versions in different languages, ancient and modern. For certain kinds of study and analysis that we'll get to presently, the computer age makes it wonderfully easy, and I'm not averse to using those tools myself. 
A good study Bible will come with some tools to help you in your study. Many contain extensive indexes, Bible dictionaries, maps, essays and introductions, timelines and charts, and lots of cross-references. Different editions of the Bible versions we mentioned earlier will have different tools. Most study Bibles will have introductory essays that explain the major themes and perhaps some cultural and historical background about each book. This is probably a good time to state the obvious, which is that there are various schools of thought about the Old Testament and its background. Conservative scholars are more likely to take the position that, for instance, the Torah was written by Moses, or that other books, like Isaiah, are the work of a single author. They tend to shy away from more modern critical scholarship that tries to explain irregularities and problems in the text via more naturalistic explanations. So-called liberal scholarship accepts the documentary hypothesis and also freely brings to bear the results of archaeology, anthropology, and so on. It assumes that the text has evolved over its lifetime, and that it reflects those evolutionary stages and strands. I am decidedly in the liberal camp, although with a few reservations. Depending on your personal goals, take a look at the introductions and references in a study Bible before you purchase it. Whether you want to be challenged with a different point of view, or want to explore a particular approach to the Bible is your decision. Just make sure that the Bible you select conforms to your objectives as a reader. Most of the tools that scholars use, like dictionaries and encyclopedias, need little explanation. If you want a separate Bible dictionary, Harper's is a very good one-volume dictionary. If you want to get really serious, there's the six-volume Anchor Bible Dictionary, but beginners are likely to find it overly technical. Another tool students and scholars use is a concordance. This is basically a word list. Each word in the Bible has an entry with a few words of context, and there's an entry for each occurrence of the word in the Bible. Strong's Concordance is the most famous, written for the King James. Young's Concordance is also well known. What makes a concordance so useful is that you can look up a single word and in a few minutes see how it gets used in all the places where it appears. This can be really useful if you want to form a closer conclusion about what a particular verse actually means, or identify words that have variant meanings. One problem with this is that a concordance may not distinguish between a word in Greek or in Hebrew. You can't always compare a word like, say, judgment without distinguishing between Old Testament and New Testament usages. They're going to be different. There are some tools out there that can help. For instance, some concordances classify words based on their Hebrew or Greek originals. You don't have to learn Greek or Hebrew to use them, but if you at least take the trouble to learn the respective alphabets, that by itself can give you a lot of extra help in working through a difficult passage. Another tool is the commentary. This is a running explanation that follows what's going on in the text. The Jewish tradition loves commentaries. Most Jews will read their Torah or the rest of the Bible with a commentary close at hand. Christians tend not to use them as much for lay study. 
There are a number of older commentaries on the web that you can access for free, but they were originally intended mostly to help with sermon preparation, and as such will reflect the theological bent of their authors and their audience. There are also some useful one-volume Bible commentaries available today that aren't too terribly doctrinaire. For beginning students, a good introduction to the Old Testament would be as good or better. My personal favorite is the one by Lawrence Boat, Reading the Old Testament. Boat, incidentally, is spelled B-O-A-D-T, and this is published by Paulist Press. Some additional hints. Read slow. Take your time. Remember that for most of the history of reading, the written word was meant to be read aloud. Try it. See if it helps inject some new insights into familiar verses. Try to study regularly, and if you can, find someone you can compare notes with once in a while. Speaking of notes, there is a wonderful tool that anyone can use to dramatically enhance their reading and studying experience. However, I must warn you, it takes work. It requires diligence. You will have to exercise discipline in order to make this work. Still with me? Good. Now that we've gotten rid of the lightweights, let's get down to business. The tool is this. Keep a study notebook or journal. You can pick up a theme book or spiral notebook or whatever you prefer at an office supply store or even a dollar store. As you read, record your reactions, your questions, your insights. Don't worry about being profound or what future generations will think. This is your brain's exercise yard where you play with the ideas on the text. You can be as sloppy as you want to. It doesn't matter. If you come up with a question and decide to dig deeper, do so on the pages of your notebook. Here's a trick I like to use. When I'm studying a particular section, I find that section on the web, uh, on a web-based Bible, copy it, and paste it into a Word document set with really big margins, like at least two inches in from either side and on the top and bottom. Now print it out, three-hole punch it, and put it in a binder. You now have several pages of Bible with lots and lots of room for notes in the margins. You can add pages if you want to, along with charts, maps, articles, and so on, whatever you find. And, in effect, you write your own commentary. As I said, it takes work to do this kind of study and to do it in this way, but the rewards for doing so are, frankly, lavish. The Old Testament is a classic of religion and literature in the traditional sense that it will wear you out long before you wear it out. It brims with every kind of conflict, internal and external, struggle and ambiguity. It takes time and effort to unravel enough of it to glimpse those riches, but oh, what riches! We'll continue that journey when we resume our regular sequence next time. Discovering the Old Testament 
is supported by the donations of our listeners. To make a donation, visit our website at lafkospress.com. That's L-A-F-K-O-S press.com. Discovering the Old Testament is a production of Lafkos Press of San Jose, California. Join us again next time as we continue our journey through the mysterious and exotic world of the Old Testament.